Ho, 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 and welcome to Mike's Open Journal and to episode number 79, I think. Uh, Welcome along if you're listening to this as it goes up or around the same time. Um, Happy Boxing Day or happy Tuesday. Uh, To those of you that are not having a great time, uh, I completely get it. Um, I'm kind of in a similar boat to you guys. Uh, So if you are celebrating happy Christmas time, if you're just surviving, then you're doing really well, like you are still surviving, and you're doing well enough that you're prepared to listen to my voice for a little while, so thanks for that. Um, to everyone, happy Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever you're listening. Uh, so I was delighted a couple of weeks ago to sit down and have a chat with Sophie, uh, Miss Petals of Perfection herself, um, and we kind of had a little bit of a chat. I know some of you might have already seen the YouTube video we did about who's more likely, um, so you can check that out on my YouTube channel. Um, so I'll leave the link in the description, and um, yeah, it was just really nice just to sit down and have a chat with Sophie. Uh, so this was, I think, the second um, time I'd just sat down with someone and had a chat about mental health, kind of face-to-face. And it is a slightly different experience to talking to someone over Skype, something I'm still getting a little bit used to. Um, but it was really, really cool. Um, I enjoyed it. Hopefully you guys will enjoy listening into our conversation. Um, as always, if you're interested in coming onto the podcast, please just have a look online. Um, so there's loads of information about the pod at mikesopenjournal.com. But yeah, get in contact. I think I've got a few people that are um, interested in coming onto the podcast in January and February, possibly March-ish time. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking to a few new people And if you're interested, do get in contact. Um, It's always cool to talk to new people uh, about mental health, um, about maybe some of the other topics that you're interested in as well. At some stage, there will also be the follow-up to the last episode where I spoke with Hannah a little bit about mental health and body image, where we're going to kind of go over that in more detail, um, but also talk with Una as well. So do look out for that when that comes. Um, But yeah. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you are you're doing okay at this time of year. And um, I can't quite work out if there's going to be another episode before New Year. So if not, have a great, happy, restful, relaxing uh, day. I don't know what day New Year is. Is that on Monday as well? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I hope that goes okay for you guys. And again, thanks for tuning in. I'm going to drop you straight into... The conversation with Sophie from I think a couple of weeks ago now. I wasn't that active in it. I don't really like group chats that yeah. much, unless it's obviously like the one that we've got with Rebecca. I don't mind that because it's no pressure with that one. Yeah. But if there's a group chat where it's like a big group of people, so I think it got like ridiculous. It was like twenty people in yeah. it. Yeah. And obviously it was all people talking about their problems, which fine. But then. I think it's quite triggering for some people as well, yeah. wasn't it? Because it got to that stage where. Um, I, I, I can't remember if it was like a support chat slash group or whether it was originally meant to be for an event because I know there were a couple that were for events that we were leading up to. I've got a funny feeling that wasn't for an event. It, this one that I think we met on wasn't, it was just a support one. Yeah, it was one. just a support one, which was, like you say, it was cool at first and it was good to have like a support network, especially for some people that really needed that. Yeah. But at the same time, I think I got to the same sort of stage where a lot of people needed more support you could only and do it so much and it became more triggering for some people and I know like 
on some occasions where, like, I had, I was like, I just don't feel great, mm. um, and I don't want to talk about that, and then it kind of gets blown up a little bit in the group, yeah, and you sort of lose that conversation where there's not one or two or three of you, mm. there's like twenty people, and some people will know you more than other people, yeah, and the way that you react to, um like people is going to be different mm. so I think that was quite hard and that's why I think that group kind of changed over time as well didn't it a lot yeah. of extra people were in the group and then there was almost like a second version of that group where I you think, had people leave and then more people come in I think there was a lot of pressure to talk in it mm. so obviously if you've got a problem you want to say to people I'm struggling can you help but then at the same time I felt like I was a burden on all them I didn't want to keep saying well I'm struggling because yeah. obviously with some of what we've got it happens every day like there's problems mm. every day so it gets to a point where it's a bit too much yeah it's like well I've said it already yesterday so why should I like say today's the same as yesterday yeah. it's not like an extra and I'm, I'm not getting any help from the chat it's nice to have the support but it's just going to be the same thing so what is the yeah. point I think you got to that point for me and I was just like there's no point me kind of being involved with the group yeah because I still talk to probably I guess most of the people that are probably in that group Mm. definitely not everyone but I would have thought probably quite a lot but it just became a bit more like I'd rather just do tweets and stuff I I kind of I didn't want like a notification every time someone was posting into the group and it's the same as I have with um, there's a couple of like whatsapp groups that I am still in um, but they're like really important for a couple of weeks when there's stuff going on mm. and then the rest of the time I just don't need to know what's going on like yeah. it's um, like whether they're work related or not mm-hmm. um, so I'll just mute them yeah. and that's I'm okay with that because I know I don't really need to know what's going on in that group mm. um, but then there's that like you say that pressure sometimes that you are friends with some of those people and you're like I don't want to mute you in your problems yeah and kind of, yeah, the different, I guess the different friendships that were involved with that as well. I think the amount of tweets I see as well where people are struggling and I'm also struggling at the same time. So I find it hard to be there for them and be supportive for them. Mm. And I feel like because they are my friend or I've spoken to them about problems before, I feel like I'm pressured to check if they're okay. But at yeah. the same time, it's like I need to look after myself. And I need to know the balance between the two and know when it's like they're fine, they've got other people, other support, I need to focus on yeah. me. I think it's that balance, isn't it, like you say, between you don't want to leave it and like make that assumption, oh, someone else is going to come along and someone mm. else will help out. Um, but at the same time, if someone's got quite a big support network yeah. and you are struggling yourself, like there's only so much you can do mm. um, before you start to put yourself in a situation that's not great. Yeah. Uh, and then in turn, you're no help to that other person either. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, but obviously from that group then um, like we had a couple of times where we spoke and met up and stuff and then more recently like we went along or we went along you were already there (laughs) like we met up in London which was really nice and it was nice to actually have a chance to like I think that was the first time really that we'd kind of sat down and just spoken I remember when we met the first time at the is it the Southampton in Southampton Yeah. yeah and I was very quiet that day I just didn't really feel comfortable in the situation mm. not because everyone made me feel uncomfortable but it just isn't the best 
place for me to be to be able to get to know people. Yeah. And I remember you came over at the end. <laughs> it was when we were in the um, Greek restaurant. Yeah. And you came over and you were like, I feel like I haven't spoken to you all day. And I was like, well, you haven't. So, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you were like, let's get a picture. And I remember, that's, I remember that yeah. really clearly. But I don't remember talking to you for the rest of the day. You were just in your own little world or off with <laughs> other people. I think it's, it's one of those as well, like when there's a lot of people in the group, um, and you do like this. I definitely spoke to some people a lot more than others, mm. and I think that's it's kind of the really cool thing and the downside sometimes of you go along and you get to meet quite a lot of people. And a lot of the, a lot of the time, I still feel like when I go along to stuff, it's the first or the second time I'm meeting people. Yeah. Um, and that's really really cool. But at the same time, to have the opportunity to like meet up when there's just two or three of you. Mm actually you get to spend a lot more time with someone it's a lot more relaxed as well you can have yeah. like a proper conversation you've not got to think like oh I need to make sure I've spoken yeah. to everyone or oh I've not spoken to that person at all I think as well with that it was like a mental health meetup. so it's kind of like we all wanted to speak about our own experiences yeah. and kind of it was focused around that whereas when we met up with Rebecca in London it yeah. was just a day out like yeah. we didn't have any pressures of we need to do this talk about this and it was just, we are going to meet up and that's it. Yeah, and eat loads. Yeah, we did eat quite a lot. Mm. You ate a lot. What? I, I only it... had, like, the macaroni and cheese I can't remember what bites, I and then that was it. That's all I had, wasn't it? How was I not hungry all day? I don't know. So I usually eat a lot. That was a good day, though. I enjoyed, like... And I'd not really spoken to Rebecca before, I don't think. No. Um... So it was cool to meet her and, like, someone that, like, I didn't know. It was nice to go along and actually, like, then you were kind of, like, the introducer of different people, which Mm. was nice. And it's nice to have that. You've still got that thing that you get from groups where there's someone new to, like, talk to. Mm. But at the same time, it's not jumping around and, like, three people. You can drop in and out of the conversation. But at the same time, you're pretty much always involved because there's only three of you. Yeah. Um, which is really nice and I think like I've noticed a lot more like I like the mate date type things <laughs> where there's just a couple of you and it's it is more relaxed and you can sit down and have a chat and you don't have to work in and out of conversations type yeah. of thing but you can find more about find out find out more <laughs> about the person as well yeah like there isn't that pressure of talking about a particular thing you can just relax and do you find that like easier as well obviously where you suffer with social anxiety like is that an easier thing for you because it's just maybe someone you already know you're more comfortable with or just the number of people I think it's more the number like when so I struggle with just talking in general to anyone like if I'm talking on the phone to someone even if it's a friend I struggle with that sometimes but I think I've definitely got better over time like I wouldn't have been able to come out today like a few months ago it's only over the past few months where I've been alone and I've had to kind of force myself out. But it's more I have to be comfortable with the person to feel like I can talk to them. Mm. So in a big group or like the meetup, it was very forced and I felt very kind of, I don't know, I felt like I couldn't really speak up because there's a lot of loud characters there. Yeah. And I was kind of Do you hidden. think like... Say you'd have known everyone and, like, you were friends with everyone there and there's 12 people, 
Would you still be okay with that? Like, even then, I'm really quiet. If I was to go out with friends that I know offline, yeah, I, I'm still really quiet. Like, if we go out to the pub or whatever, I'll sit in the corner mm. and just kind of drop into conversations here and there. But I would try to stick with one person and talk to them. Yeah, it's like what I always say in CBT. I'm always making sure that I'm with someone I know and that I'm close to and that I can talk to. Yeah, if we're in a big group. So whenever I go out, I always take one of my friends, Kate, who knows how I struggle with things and she knows mm. what to do if I feel anxious or whatever. And she is really good at just making me feel comfortable. Yeah. So I always make sure I've got one person to just kind of stay with and be protected by. So you think like you've learned that over a period of time to like have that sort of support network yeah. in place and what's good what's good for you and maybe what necessarily doesn't work as much yeah I think as well recently where I've had to be more alone it's kind of I've tried to not have someone there all the time Mm. I've kind of learned how to deal with things on my own and push myself to do things I wouldn't have done before and I'm glad that although bad things have happened I've kind of got the good out of it and Mm. being able to do more as me and not as someone else's shadow yeah in a way yeah i don't know how much you're happy to share of like your first experiences of mental health and kind of how you found that and what it was like at first so i had my first panic attack when i was seven i think it was around that age and we were on holiday in devon and it sounds really stupid looking back on it now but basically we had a car crash i'm saying this lightly it wasn't like a full-on collision where it was like a tumbling car it was like we rolled back into a wall and crashed it okay so it sounds really <laughs> you're making it really elaborate yeah. <laughs> basically but bumped like, something <laughs> literally but like to a little seven-year-old yeah anxious sophie it was like quite traumatic i guess and it like i remember it was on a really steep hill and when i say steep i mean you are literally looking up to the sky yeah. it was that like drop and there was like warning signs everywhere saying it was a steep drop so obviously it was dangerous yeah. and the sea was behind us so I automatically it was like was it fight or flight yeah automatically I was like that was in, in your mind yeah. yeah and I just imagined us rolling back into the sea drowning I don't know why I thought of that but obviously I had a very overreactive over no what's the word over overact, overactive overactive imagination yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I was one of those kids so I yeah. always thought about things more than I needed to. I'm still like that now. Like last night, I was asking my mum and dad questions that weren't relevant to anything, but I wanted to know the answer to. <laughs> like I've started to think about this. I'm yeah. invested in it. And now <laughs> I need to know need what to would know. happen. <laughs> so I'm, I've got a very, yeah, very wide imag- imagination. And I just remember thinking, oh, we're going to roll back. And obviously that got me into a panic and I felt very trapped in the car. Mm. And that's kind of where everything stemmed from so when I went to school I got separated from friends um and that made me feel isolated and trapped um and then like secondary school I was very quiet um there was a lot of louder people who thought I was weird because I was quiet but obviously it's just because I didn't feel comfortable talking as much as they did and mm. people just kind of thought oh she's a not not a nice person or she's weird let's not talk to her so I kind of isolated myself from everyone. And then going into more like sixth form college, yep. kind of that age, um, that's kind of when it got at its worst. I couldn't go into certain lessons at school. I kind of had to 
take myself out of it and say I can't sit in this room for whatever reason. One particular one was my media class. Okay. And I have no idea why I didn't like it, but I think it's because most of the people in the class had a big friendship group. Yeah. So I was, like, the outsider. Yeah, because I was going to say, I would have thought you'd find that really... You'd be really into that class. I was into what it was, but the actual class environment I hated, Mm. and I, I tried to stay there for as long as I could, and it got to a point... I think it was like nearer the end of the second year, so obviously nearer the exams yeah. and a lot of stress is happening. And I just said to my teacher, I can't sit in this room. And I don't know why, but I just can't do it. And she was really understanding and she gave me the work every lesson. I just took myself off and went mm. to the common room and just did it there. So I effectively taught myself that A-level. Did pretty good. Mm. So I must have done something right. But I think it's more about feeling trapped. That was my main thing. Yeah. And obviously now that's stemmed into more the social anxiety side of things and feeling trapped in a crowd and feel like I need to get out. Even if I'm on like on my own in a room, mm. I can feel trapped. Mm. It could be the biggest room with the most space possible, but I will mentally feel trapped. Mm. And that will obviously stem into like a panic attack and that then leads to depression and it's like a vicious cycle. I feel like it sort of builds up as well. It's like your thought process of... Yeah. Is it that you kind of don't feel comfortable or is it like do you think in your mind is it you're again you're going back to like the worst case scenario type thing probably a bit of both I think it's like when I'm on a night out and if it's in a busy bar or like a club environment if I can't find a little corner where it's kind of safe away from everyone I panic and Mm. I think I'm gonna get trapped I'm gonna get lost something's gonna happen people are gonna crash me I'm not about to breathe I need to get myself out that situation so Mm. usually I have to go outside and just just find a bit of space yeah yeah I know when I've been out a couple of times it's it is nice to find very different I think to what you're going through but I have times where I'm like I just want to find somewhere to sort of sit down and yeah be away from everything that's going on not feel pressured to join in with everything um and it's yeah it is nice when there's somewhere that has a couple of like corners or something like that you can Mm -hmm. just move around and actually find a little bit of space just to kind of chill out for a little bit and like just see what's going on Mm. or just like mess around on your phone for a bit and just have that sort of time out from what's going on I think makes a big difference I think that's why I like planning things as well because I like to know where I'm going when what I need to do when I get there Mm. it's like coming down here today I needed to plan the exact route that I was doing the exact times when I was on the train I was thinking do I need to use my ticket on the other end like things like that which are just normal things I I overthink and think what if I do this wrong what if it's that like you say I think a lot of it again it's that misconception of oh it's weird or it's different and actually all it is it's it's stuff that everyone does Mm. but it's just essentially it's yeah it's heightened or like you place more importance on that or Mm. you're more concerned about it whereas I think I was talking to um, someone the other day and I was trying to get around to like this idea that so, like, when I walk downstairs, um, like, on my stairs, so I walk down and, like, naturally, when you're walking down the stairs, you walk on every step. And then I'll get to the bottom, like the little child I am, and I jump the bottom step. <laughs> but something in me says, like, I can't touch every step but that last step. So I'll have to kick my foot back to touch the last step. And I'm like, that's that kind of, like, OCD-ness, but... At the same time, I can sometimes walk away from that. And sometimes it's not important to me. And that's the difference between 
seeing or recognising, I guess, something that could be associated or a symptom, but not having that illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's sometimes where people are like, oh, that's really weird because you like think Like, dude, you like things in a certain way. Yeah. It's just that you can move past that, mm-hmm. whereas other people can't. Sit and overthink. Yeah, and, and yeah. I think that's, to me, it's not... It's kind of like um, when people describe like the autistic spectrum mm-hmm. or like the, I don't think it's called dyslexia spectrum, but like dyslexia, you sit on a spectrum and it's like yeah. everyone is on this. Mm-hmm. Some people sit at two and aren't really affected. Some people sit at 80 and really are. Mm-hmm. And to me, like mental health and a lot of the mental health illnesses are all exactly the same. Like we will all feel anxious. We will all feel depressed. Mm-hmm. We will all um, want things in a certain way. So to me, we're, we all are affected by those illnesses. Yeah. But some people will be affected by by like 2%. Mm-hmm. And so we'll give it no thought, won't even recognise it. Some people, like my stairs thing, maybe like it's 15%. It's like you recognise it, but it isn't something that is going to change your world. Yeah. But if it becomes like you have a routine and it now takes you an hour and a half before you can leave the house or longer, that's affecting your life and it's going to be to a much larger percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's getting to that sort of understanding of how mental health does affect everyone but just some people are affected by it in a different way and in my I feel like it's more but some people don't like more I think it just takes over your life a little bit more than a normal normal being there isn't a normal being like a traditional being a human like a human I know, um, like, more recently you've done loads of stuff, like, being a student and then doing a lot of, like, the student mental health stuff mm-hmm. um, has kind of grown, I guess, alongside um, or because of some of the stuff you've done with your blog as well. So I don't know what that's been like, kind of seeing the growth of... It's not like you suddenly sat down and, like, some people I've spoken to before, like, I'm now going to talk about mental health, whereas you started off very much as a someone that's talking about beauty and stuff like that, to suddenly then start talking about things that are very personal um, and that are a taboo subject. I don't know what that was like. I think this is where I'm going to come on to communities. Yeah. (laughs) This is where it goes, (laughs) Jamesy. But when I started blogging, I was 16 and I was into the typical Zoella, big YouTubers. I still am now, like I'm fully invested in their vlogs not like a super fan like yeah. I need to go see them everywhere they go but are you getting the calendar <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> so I was I wanted to be like them yeah and it wasn't that I wanted to be successful like them I just wanted to have my own place on the internet yeah and sort and of do that, what they're doing yeah. Thing. yeah and at that time I didn't have anything interesting so I was doing my GCSEs there's only so much a 16 year old mm. can do and I remember I'd just gone through like a difficult time in my life with friendships and I was saying ex, but it was mm. like a two month yeah. childhood thing. But he was, he affected me in some ways. Okay. Um, so I kind of needed something to focus on. And I thought, well, if I can't do YouTube because I wasn't confident enough and I didn't have a proper camera and things like that, if I can't do that, I'll just do it in a blog mm. and do it kind of that way and do like a video written up in a blog I need to sneeze <laughs> <laughs> um, God it's going to sit in my nose oh, this is why you edit it out <laughs> anyway so yeah Blatantly leaving it in 
So yeah, I kind of wanted my own space on the internet. And I was really into beauty and... I mean, I did, like, the odd fashion post, mm. meaning, like, one or two posts, but I just, I'm not that into that. Yeah. But it was more beauty, lifestyle, just general, what have I been up to kind of thing. And I enjoyed writing about it, and then it got to a certain point in the last two years where I thought, I can't write any more about lipsticks. There's only so much you can say about a lipstick. Like, they're all the same. Mm. Everyone knows they're all the same, but we try to say it in a different way. <laughs> Like everyone just needs to accept the fact it's just a lipstick. <laughs> like, there's going to be no different like aspect to your post than someone else's post. It's all a fucking lipstick. <laughs> some are shiny, some are glittery. <laughs> it's just a lipstick. <laughs> some dry quicker. <laughs> They're just lipstick. Okay. So like I think I've just realised that. I suppose you get to a stage as well where you've talked so much yeah, about you one can't subject. Physically talk about it that anymore. You need a break from it. Like, not the same. But I have, like, uh, a load of podcasts that I listen to. And if I have a spell where, like, I listen to the same type of ones for a long period of time, I just yeah. I can't take any more. Mm. So, like, I've got two or three, I think, podcasts that I listen to. And they're about, like, um, crimes, murders and stuff like that. And I get re- it's really interesting to hear about, like, the person's background before something happens and the investigation and how that goes... Um, and I find that really interesting, but I've had spells where I'll listen to that like every like I'll go for a walk and walk for like forty minutes every day for forty minutes. I'm listening to like crimes and murders and stuff like that. And after a couple of weeks, you're like, I just can't take any more. Like it's too, Impressive. it's too depressing as mm. well. And like I just don't want to hear about this stuff. I need a break from it. Yeah. Um, and like I've just started listening to it again, and I'm like. It's interesting again to me at the moment, but I know if I keep on listening to that every day, it will be too much. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's that idea that if you constantly write and you're surrounded by one particular thing, mm. it just becomes, I guess, less interesting. Yeah. You feel like you've kind of said it all. And I feel like there must be a difference in lipsticks, but... See, there, there if is, it's, but... If it's <laughs> you're constantly writing about them for over a six-month period, really what's going to change in that six months? Whereas something released today and something released in a year and a half, there probably will be a difference in terms of, like, how it's made or branded or whatever. Mm. But how many times are you talking about it in that year and a half? Yeah. So I totally get that idea of wanting to branch out or talk about something different. I think that's why I kind of moved on to more lifestyle before I went into mental health. So I'd blog about just what I'm doing during the day, if there's an event that I've been to... Mm. So I think I went to, I think it was a Makeup Revolution birthday party. I think it was their second one. I blogged about that and it was just more events that I went to. And at the time I, I got invited to quite a few. Mm. I mean, quite a few, meaning more than I do now. Yeah. And I think it's because I was in that beauty community bubble. Yeah. bubble. yeah. So I had that to write about. And then in the last, I think it was the last year or two, when I joined the group chat, the mental health group chat that's mm. when I kind of thought well maybe I could write about that because I hadn't been officially diagnosed of anything but I knew that there wasn't something quite right yeah um and then I got officially diagnosed I thought okay well I'll blog about that and how I feel about that and take things from there and it kind of just became like a journal for me mm. and then I moved on to YouTube and kind of did it on there as well and I found that sharing my story helped others also helped me when I kind of look back on it and think, oh, I've actually come quite far. Yeah. So I think we get so wrapped up in, like, 
the current situation and it as a whole mm. and we kind of forget how much we've actually achieved so like the life update that I did on YouTube a few months ago I still look back on that now and yeah. obviously that's upsetting for me to watch but I have come ridiculously far since then yeah. so it's kind of good for me to have that online and a lot of people say to me you shouldn't put personal stuff online but then whatever I put online isn't the full story mm. and like recently only you Rebecca and a few people know the full extent of how I felt over the last few months yeah so whatever I've put online is a tiny tiny snippet of the reality of it all yeah so I think it's kind of using it as a journal but to a certain extent because obviously it is your life and you don't really want everyone to know I think it's having that level like you say it's what are you doing it for and I think we've spoken before about like really enjoying that sort of that aspect of sharing and helping other people but actually at the heart of it we're writing for ourselves and it yeah. is a it is an online journal type thing and then you get to the idea that you don't have to you don't need to talk about everything and it's talking about the things that are important to you so if you're not involved in stuff or you are involved in stuff if you have something that's really important that you feel has affected you and will affect other people like that is important to talk about um and i think that's where you see sometimes like people apprehensive about talking about mental health and i think that's it's okay to be apprehensive and it's important that people realize you don't have to talk to everyone about it mm-hmm. you don't have to talk to everyone about everything it can be like you said that you have some people that you talk to more than others or you have some people that you talk to about one certain thing that's going on and other people that you talk to about something else and that's it's not lying about it it's just choosing to or not being able to share everything with everyone yeah and i think that's really hard for a lot of us to take when you get to that stage you're like i'm actually going to share this and then it's like but i'm not going to share it completely or i'm not going to share it with everyone Mm -hmm. that almost feels like a defeat rather than the success of you have shared it and you've shared it with all these people Mm. it's almost like yeah but that's not everyone and it's not everything Mm -hmm. and i don't know it comes back I guess to that idea that like you're always looking for the negative in what we do rather than there's so many other positives mm. but it's that natural reaction to go oh, but I didn't um, and I think that can be really hard and that's where it's nice to have a few people that are able to say like actually yeah look at what you've done like you say being able to look back and say yeah six months ago like this is a bit of a reminder for me I can look at the first 10 seconds of the video or I can just look at the title mm-hmm. and actually it sort of takes me back to there and I realise like some of the changes that are there yeah um and I mean that's such a small period of time as well um for like people to be able to look back and like you say looking back to when you started and at 16 and to see that change in um like you but to see the change in your interests and your hobbies and what you were doing what you're involved in and what you're able to do mm-hmm. I think is probably quite a big thing as well yeah I think, though, with being on Twitter as well and kind of sharing things on there, that's what I still struggle with. Mm. Because I personally know people who share quite a lot of how they're feeling online, and I know that they... They may... I don't want to say exaggerate, but like they, yeah. it, it can come across worse than it actually is. So people kind of jump on that and it's yeah. it's hard to kind of know the tone of voice of things and 
into that. Up. <laughs> um, no, it's hard to know the tone of voice of things and kind of know when people are being truthful. I think, yeah, and I think it's hard as well. Like you say, it's not... Like now, we're sat down looking at each other talking and it's very different when you're sat looking at your phone and someone else is sat looking at their phone and someone else is sat looking at their phone. Mm. Like, you don't get a sense of, like, the tone of the conversation yeah. or is it said in a light-hearted way? Is it said, like, in a generic way? Like, oh, I'm really struggling. Like, mm. in the last month, I've really struggled. Yeah. Or is it, like, I'm really struggling, like, right now, I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm. That can be really hard to gauge as well. And I think especially where we're involved in a lot of conversations that are more like that. Um, and that's great that people are prepared and are able to speak up and say when they're struggling. But it's also looking at how that space is sort of used or managed and realising that really what people need to do is be directed as much as possible to those support services that are available and that are for that. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily rather than going to Twitter or places like that, but that should be our reaction rather yeah. than maybe like a lot of people will say, oh, like private message me and stuff like that. And I feel, yeah, if they're comfortable to do that, but you're kind of encouraging a continued conversation when actually the best thing is to be there for that person, to hear them, but to remind them and direct them to put towards people that are actually qualified and employed mm. to do that role. Um, like I know I've been in situations before where you're talking to someone and you think like you want to do the best you can and help them out as much as possible. But you do have to remember that like if something happens to that person and you haven't encouraged them to go towards the correct and proper support... It's going to be all on you. It's it's a lot on you. Um, and I think if someone... If you say, I think you need to like talk to Samaritans or whoever, and they choose not to and they want to carry on talking, then that's okay. Like Still keep reminding them of that. Um, but you're doing the best that you can. Whereas if it's like you haven't mentioned it at all, like that's what those support services are there for. Um, and that's what we should be directing people towards. And that's why oh, I've seen it before. I can't think whether it's on like the bio or something, but on one of like the, the police um, profiles, it's like, please don't report crime here, go to. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it should kind of be the same for like mental health. It's like, don't, I don't know, like don't, report like emergency need here like here is the place you need to go for that like to me it's a great place like we've said for that open discussion about here are some of the things that we struggle with to create that like affiliation or like the more comfort at other people go through this and also go this really works for me like you could try that like it might not work for you and Mm -hmm. sort of share those ideas and that discussion around all of the support that's available. Yeah. Some people will find loads of help with um, like online forums or over the phone conversations or CBT or therapy or whatever. And it's only through discussion about different types of things that are available we suddenly become aware of a lot of that stuff. Like you don't get signposted to that from your mm-hmm. um, from your GP. It's medication and it's waiting for CBT and that's pretty much it. So I think everything else, it is important for us to talk about. I think recently I've had quite a lot of like direct messages with people because of things that have happened. Mm. And a lot of them helped me in some kind of way because I had someone to talk to. Yeah. But it got to the point where I was saying the same thing over and over again and saying what I was struggling with. Yeah. It kind of got to a point where I was so immersed in that and I couldn't take a step back and think, right, I need to just 
move on from it mm. and kind of deal with it and not keep talking about going it. Going over it. So obviously it's good to talk about what you're going through and raise mm. awareness, but there's a point at which you need to take a step back and realise that it's probably doing more harm than good to carry on talking about mm. how you're feeling. And I think as well, if like mental health is the only thing you've got going for you in your life, although it can be good to mm. kind of have that and raise awareness, it's limiting you to a healthy life. I f- yeah, if, I think it's, like, open, not yeah, it's opening it up to... <coughs> If, like, the positive side of raising awareness, of creating that awareness of the support and stuff that's there, but if you over-invest in it and it becomes your life, yeah. then it's, it does, I guess, potentially limit your ability to, I hate recover, but your ability to develop the other areas yeah. of your life. Mm. Um, and, like, I know some, there's some really cool people that have been on lately, like, um, the oh, Beth's come on and spoken, Laura... Jodie, about all the stuff that they do with Time to Change mm-hmm. and there's some really, really cool stuff going on there. But I feel like it's because they've grown and developed yeah. in the stuff that they're talking about and it's not just about their mental health, it's about mental health as a wider topic. Yeah. It's about how it affects other people and communities um, and they work with a lot of different charities mm-hmm. um, and are involved with a lot of stuff locally in their areas as well. It's not just about them yeah that's what i prefer i think yeah because i think it's it's difficult when everything that you do is about your story Mm. and your like mental health journey as such because you're not going to be able to move on because if if the opportunities you're getting are only about that Mm. you're not going to want to it becomes part of because you think oh i'm not going to get that opportunity and i think it also makes you feel more like that is a big part of your life or mm. part of you so rather than it being like I'm affected by depression it's like oh depression is part, I don't know it becomes a bigger part of your life and than like you want always, it to be yeah we always say that we don't want to be defined by our illness yeah. so why are we focusing on it so much that yeah. it becomes part of every single thing that we do yeah and I think recently I've detached myself from the communities online not to be like horrible and say, oh, everyone's making me depressed because mm. obviously everyone has their own like struggles. Mm. But I found myself constantly talking about it, constantly involved in mental health in yeah. general and kind of listening to other people's problems. And obviously, I want to be there to support people, but it was stopping me from being able to move on. Yeah. And taking that step back over the last like, few days has made me realise that I have got a life outside of mental health mm. and talking to someone new yeah. who isn't part of my life really at all other than just getting to know him as a person. Mm. He's made me realise how much it has affected me because even he can see that I've talked about it too much and that I'm not able to move on from things and he can he was worried about me because he thought that I was kind of making myself more depressed than I needed to be because I kind of... You're over-invested in it. Yeah, it's the thought process of over-investing myself into it. I think it is that balance, isn't it, of being happy to talk about it and say, actually, yeah, it's a big part of my life, but there's also other stuff. And I think especially for you, I guess, keeping in mind that you didn't come into this to talk about mental health. Yeah. It was a spin-off from what was or what is Mm -hmm. a, a passion and an interest around beauty. Yeah. And spreading into lifestyle mm-hmm. and mental health became part of that yeah um 
and I think that's maybe where I don't know I guess potentially like your interest or your passion is going to be different to some of those other people that you're talking to where they have a real like mental health is my thing yeah this is what I want to talk about this is what I want to be involved in mm-hmm. when I think you sit maybe outside of that a little bit and it's yeah. recognizing that actually the people that I'm surrounding myself with are involved and want to do this in a way that I don't mm-hmm. and that isn't what I wanted to do and I think that's where you get into that idea of these community groups and actually the purpose of them and what they're trying to achieve um and the different roles that people have like it can be really cool to be involved in that group project um, or activity that's going on but actually you don't want to be at the forefront of that because that's not your thing Mm -hmm. and I think it can be quite hard to sometimes say actually this isn't something I want to be hugely involved in um and I've had it before with a couple of projects where I'm like I really want it to do well because I really like the person that's leading it but actually the thing that's going on is not really for me yeah um and that can be quite hard but it's recognized actually look I write or I produce this stuff for me I'm not someone that's paid a lot to do this mm-hmm. um I, d- I don't have a commitment or a need to do that I'm just doing what I want to be involved in I'm happy to support you but it's not something for me and that can be really hard to gauge as we move away from I guess that personal side of it and what becomes almost like the professional side of like blogging and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, how do you feel like at the moment? What do you mean by that? (laughs) (laughs) Like like, we've spoken about, um, I guess like your progress through school from being 16, from stuff changing when you've kind of gone through education up until uni, Mm. um, and then having like struggles and different things going on in the last year or so. Um, but kind of looking at where you are like right now like today how do you feel like you've progressed or what's changed for you in that time I feel like I've become more independent I'm definitely pushing myself to kind of do more by myself and know that I'm not gonna die if I get on a train somewhere where I don't know where I'm going like today (laughs) and yeah I think I've just become more independent and definitely focusing more on my future but not in the long run more just like in the next year I want to get a job so obviously I'm going to be graduating mm. from uni and I want to find myself a job and be happy in that and I'm not focusing on I need to do this by this time and this time and this time where I was like that before yeah and I think it was when I was in a relationship I kind of had a plan of what it was going to be like I think now where I'm on my own, I kind of have time to just think and realise I don't actually have to mm. plan things that far ahead and I'm kind of taking each day as it comes. I think it, I, I think it's more like empowering as well. Like yeah. I used to be a lot more like the, yeah, what's going to go on in like a year's time or five years time mm. when actually the more you think about like what's going on now, what you're happy with and what you can do, like you're saying, the, sh- like the short-term goals of mm-hmm. what are what's the next month or the next six months looking like rather than what's going to happen in two years or five years or whatever. Um, Sometimes, like, what's going on in the next week Mm -hmm. uh, can be a really nice way to go about it and you think about, oh, there's something going on next weekend, maybe I'll go along and be part of that rather Mm than, oh, I don't know. I just think it's a slight change in the way you are. You're more willing to do stuff on short notice. Yeah. Um, if it fits in with something you want to do, why not just do it rather than think, um, I've got to plan it a long time ahead. I think as well with, I've had quite a lot of opportunities 
come about recently for whatever reason I don't know why but things with like Samaritans and BBC they kind of cropped up and usually mm. I'd be quite wary about that I'd be like well I don't really want to share my story or whatever because what if people think I'm weird or I just I'm always worried about what people think yeah I think recently I've kind of just thought well why should I care about what people think so obviously if they wanted to know more and know more about me and get to know me as a person then yeah. that's better than thinking of what if they judge me like it shouldn't matter if people judge me yeah I think as well recently on like Twitter and things like that I've kind of dis- distanced myself from a lot of people and if they unfollow me or if they block me I don't sit there and question it for yeah. hours on end because it's Twitter like I yeah. don't care yeah. <laughs> that much whereas a year ago or a few months ago I'd sit there and think what have I done wrong yeah and I always blame myself, and really, it's just they unfollowed me because they probably didn't like my tweets, and that's fine. Yeah, so it's kind of I'm more accepting of things, and I don't sit there worrying about things all the time. And I'm definitely kind of pushing myself to do more that's and cool. become my own person, that's and not really be in someone else's shadow. Um, in the next week, two weeks, month, six months, like what are the things that are going on for you, or that you're looking forward to, or that you want to do? So I'm going to a screening for a mental health documentary, which you are coming along with, <laughs> <laughs> um, with the BBC, so that should be good. Um, and then I'm also working with, I think I can say this, I'm working with Samaritans um, on a kind of like case study. So I'm going to be their case study for their um, like fundraising mail pack, I think it is. Okay. I'm not really sure what it will include, but I think it's going to be like my story and kind of how it's helped me. And yeah, so that should be quite good. And other than that, it's just finishing uni, graduating, getting a job. All the fun stuff. Going on dates. (laughs) (laughs) Drop that one in there. (laughs) Um, So if people want to find out a little bit more about you after listening to the podcast, where can they go to find you? So... You can find me on Twitter at Petals of Perfect. Those are right, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you yeah. don't know your own handle. <laughs> yeah. Instagram is Petals of Perfection, and then obviously my blog, which you'll find on <laughs> them. Um, but yeah, probably Twitter is my main one that I'd use to kind of communicate with people. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast. It's been lovely to hear a bit more about you and your story. Thanks. <laughs>